I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, this morning. I'm going to be reading from Psalm 145, beginning in the first verse. Wonderful song of worship and praise. It sets the stage for what we want to do this morning. Psalm 145, I will extol you, O my God, the King, and I will bless your name forever and ever, and every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. And great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your greatness, and they shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies, the tender mercies, are over all of his works. Amen. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for giving us a beautiful day to come to your house and to bring worship and praise into this sanctuary. Father, I pray, I pray that you will fill this, this house with the, the voices of your people lifting up their hearts and their hands and their, and, and, and their praise unto you this morning. Father, I pray that we would recognize your strong hand among us and that your touch would be upon us. Father, I pray that you will minister every, to every person in this room today. I pray that there not be not one person walk out of here without knowing that the Lord of heaven was among us today and he has touched our life and he's ministered to the needs of every person. Father, I thank you so much. Father, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of these weeks where I had a message all prepared. Matter of fact, I have it in my notebook right now. It's right here. And it's one of those things that uh, uh, I'm going to set aside. And about uh, Thursday afternoon or Friday morning, just feeling that God was leading me in a different direction, kind of an unusual direction, I might add. And uh, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 16. Why don't you turn in your Bibles there? And <clears throat> this morning, I recommend keep your Bible open on your lap uh, because we're going to kind of march through uh, some different things. And uh, it might be very helpful to you to have your Bible open to Romans chapter 16. I've titled this message, All in the Family. Now, some of you are old enough to remember All in the Family. This is not about Archie and Edith Bunker. And, uh, but it is about a family of God that Paul loved in a very special way. And he talks about them in this chapter. You know, this is one of these chapters that you come to in your Bible reading, and you look, and you kind of glance ahead, and you see all these names, and you say, oh boy. First of all, I can't pronounce the names. And why are they here? And, and every time I bump into things like this, I have to remember what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where he says, all scripture is given by God for inspiration. Okay, I, I'm going to try my best to find the inspiration on this deal. And uh, I think I have found a few things. And I want to share them with you this morning because I think they're valuable things. 
And I think they're things that God might use as reminders. This is a message about being reminded of some things. And so this is one of these portions of the word of God that you, you sort of have to dig a little bit. The list of the names in Romans chapter 16 are names of 33 men and women. 33, Paul lists them. 33 men and women, and I've said this, who never knew they were one day going to be famous. And the reason I say that is because these were just ordinary folks serving God, loving the church, loving Paul, living for Jesus. And they never knew that their name was going to be included in the Bible, which is going to stand forever. And so these are Paul's friends. They've been with him. They've helped him. Some of these people have even spent time in jail with Paul. Do you really become a friend when you're in jail? I've never been in jail. I'm just assuming that you become friends in jail. I, you know, I'm just taking a roll out there maybe. But uh, they had many things in common. The church in Rome was made up of a very diverse kind of a group of people in that church were slaves. There were blue-collar workers. There were wealthy people. There were government officials. Some were men, several were women, all of these things. <clears throat> but you know, they had one thing, actually two things really, two phrases that you're going to see as you walk through the 16th chapter of Romans. And those two phrases are this, in Christ, in the Lord. Paul repeats that over and over. Matter of fact, I marked my Bible every time that showed up in Christ, in the Lord. I believe it's noteworthy to tell you that Romans is one of the most doctrinally deep letters in the entire New Testament, and yet it was written to help very common people like me and like yourselves to understand what it's like to live for God, to understand what God is doing in our lives personally. And so Paul writes this letter. It's a powerful, powerful letter. And so we're going to walk through a few of these. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each one or anything like this. But the first one I'm going to read here in Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, which simply says, I commend to you Phoebe, <clears throat> our sister who is a servant of the church of Crencrea, <clears throat> that you may receive her in the Lord in a worthy manner of the saints and a sister in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Phoebe, the whole church, including us today, can be grateful for this woman and her faithfulness and her hazardous journey from Crencrea, which is actually kind of almost like a suburb of, uh, uh, of Corinth. It's about four or five miles away. Anyway, she made a journey of several hundred miles by herself to take this letter. And I wonder, I wonder in my spirit sometimes, I wonder, did Phoebe really know what was in her carry-on luggage? That's how we would put it today. Because she took this letter to the church that was located in Rome. 
she's clearly a leader in this church. <coughs> and it's an especially important fact that they took this letter to another church in Rome. This, <coughs> excuse me. The second people I want to draw your attention to is, is a couple. Their name is Priscilla and Aquila. And we first meet this couple for the very first time in Acts chapter 18. And Luke tells us they were tent makers. <clears throat> and for whatever reason, <coughs> excuse me, we're not clear about what the reason was, but they got chased out of the community that we're living in, and they went to Corinth. And here in Corinth, they met another tent maker by the name of Paul. And Paul led them to Christ, and Aquila and Priscilla became just a, just a real pillars of that church that was located in Corinth. They became leaders, godly people that were used by God. Another person here, it's, uh, and his name is, in verse 5, his name is Eponius. And this is likely, and it certainly is, it's Paul's first convert when he went to Asia. And then Paul extends his greeting to another person in verse 6, which he simply says, greet Mary who labored much for us. Paul remembers this woman named Mary who labored, her hard work. She is a woman of, <clears throat> with the gift of helps. And I can tell you this, over the years, you're not going to get too far in the establishment of a church or the ongoing nature of the church without a bunch of people in that church with a gift of helps. These are the people that you can just basically pull out of the crowd and say, can you help me with this? And they'll do it. Can you help me with the dishes after the potluck's up? Yep, we'll help you. Can you do this? Can you do that? Whatever it is, can you vacuum the floor this weekend or something like that? They're the people that will help you out. They're the people that you just can't do it without them because they're always there and they always say yes. The next people that I want to point out are right here in verse number seven, Andronicus and Junius. This is an interesting couple here because oddly enough, they're relatives of Paul. And they lived, interestingly, they lived in Jerusalem during the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, came to Christ, stayed in Jerusalem, and then along comes their relative Paul, and the Bible says he was breathing threats to Christians. And I don't know whether he realized it, but he's got some of his own family members right here that are sort of under that cloud, if you will, of breathing threats. And interestingly enough, from that moment on until Paul winds up in Corinth, here's his relatives. And no doubt they had met him. I'm not sure if they wanted him, them, him to meet them, but they knew who he was. Ampliatus is next. Or Amplius, if you have a King James Bible, greet Amplius, my beloved, in the Lord. This is an interesting name that has been found in the catacombs of Rome. And uh, in the catacombs, sometimes people who died, Christians who died, were actually buried in these catacombs. 
and the uh, archaeologists have under uh, in their excavations and things like this in these catacombs came upon a uh, a grave marker that said simply Ampliatus which is also indicative that Ampliatus may very well have been a slave because slaves would be buried using only their first names and yet as a slave he became very important to the work of God in that city. There's another one here, Aristobulus, and I want to mention his name really for about one reason only, and it's likely he was the grandson of guess who? King Herod the Great. Remember this guy? This guy's a mean guy. This guy's terrible. <clears throat> you know, he wanted to kill off children at the birth of Christ. <coughs> Here's his grandson serving God, going forward with God, leading the church, and all of these things. <coughs> the next one are two women here. Their name is Trifema and Trifosa. You want to say that with me? Trifema and Trifosa. You're going to get a kick out of these quilting ladies. Yeah, I think Paul wrote their name because he says Trifema means dainty and Trifosa means delicate. Trifema and Trifosa, delicate and dainty. And yet they were hard workers in the service of the Lord. The final one I want to speak of here this morning is a man named Rufus. And this is the same person that's mentioned in the Gospel of Mark who was the son of Simon of Cyrene. If you remember, Simon of Cyrene came from North Africa to worship at, uh, he was a Jew who came to worship uh, in the Passover. And it was Simon of Cyrene, if you remember, who was standing along the road when Jesus stumbled with the cross and a Roman soldier just grabbed him out of the crowd and said, here, you carry this cross. There were no options. This is the son. Rufus would be the son. And there's even a hint in the book of Acts that he became a Christian, likely also on the day of Pentecost, and Paul greets him. These are all people. People just like the people that are seated in front of me this morning. There's no difference. They were people who served God. They were people who loved God. They were people who were, who were just committed to the church, committed to seeing the church do well. They had the heart of the church as a part of their heart, and they served God. And so after mentioning and greeting a number of people, Paul turns uh, his attention to a great need, and it seems like a need in all the churches and that was the need to speak about false teachers, to speak about people who are causing divisions and disturbances in the church. Listen to verse 17. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For, <clears throat> for those who do, excuse me, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech 
deceive the hearts of the simple. This is a helpful passage. What to do about problems in the church? The danger here was a group of professing Christians who were creating factions in the church and small little dissident groups who choose to be critical about this or that or whatever it is. Folks, I gotta tell you, those, those kinds of deals are like termites in your house. You don't see them normally, but they're there. And they can cause enormous damage, even though you may not be able to see them. And so Paul gives us good advice in verse 17. The last two words, he says, here's what I recommend, <clears throat> avoid them. Usually it's not well to try to reason with them because they've got their minds made up. He says, avoid them. Obey God, and God will work, and God will preserve the peace. This list of names becomes, I think, very important because these people are noted for their loyalty, for their steadfastness, they, uh, they had their tested commitment. These weren't people that just showed up in church and, hey, while every, the band is playing and everybody's whooping and hollering, they were there through the thick and the thin and the times that were great and the times that were tough. You could count on these people. They were steady. They were there. And they were faithful to the gospel. They were faithful for their love of the church. Let me close with four quick things that I draw out of this passage Number one, they were not their own. Paul said, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. They fully believed that God would always direct their path. Number two, they believed that life was a battle. It was not some kind of a picnic or anything like that. They were, <clears throat> they were engaged in warfare and they were committed to keep the fight of faith. Fully committed. Number three, I sensed that they believed there were times in which they may have needed rest, but that was only so they could get back into the battle. It wasn't the time I'm just going to quit, but I'm just going to rest up. I'm going to get, get right back into the battle. And number four, they believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That opens up a door for every believer. No one in the church was without a ministry. Verse six says, Mary labored much for us gift of helps we may look down and say well that's not much anybody can. that's the point it is much and it's big it's big and God gave her gifts and God gave all of these people all 33 people that were mentioned here different gifts and they all fit together into the church and they made that church strong and it needed to be strong. Because I've read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, and I'm telling you, they were up against some stuff there. So they needed a strong body. God calls every one of us to ministry. <clears throat> and I do believe, I honestly believe that we, we will give an account for what we've done with the gifts that God has given us. We need to know what they are and then get to work. And that's how you grow the church, and that's what makes a great church. That's what I discovered from Acts chapter 16. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for loving it. 
We thank you that you would help us to love it just as much as you did. Father, it doesn't take any talent to criticize it, and there's probably plenty to criticize. But it takes people who are willing to roll up their sleeves. People who are loyal, people who are committed. People who overlook sometimes even the faults of others and whatever might be going on to make the church strong and capable of influencing and reaching a community for Christ. Father, I pray that that would be the pedigree of this church. I pray that it would be the desire of every person, every person that is a part of this church. Father, I pray that you would bring the power and the work of the Holy Spirit simply right into the midst of your church. Father, I pray that you open our hearts to your gifts that you give to us. Father, I pray that we would employ those gifts to the strength of your church and as always to the glory of God. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we? Let's stand, all of us, for the blessing of God. Lift your hands. Lift them up. Father, may the Lord bless and keep your people. Cause your face to shine upon their lives. Let there be a depth of Christ that grows out of their lives from this service. Father, I pray that you'll encourage them, you'll strengthen them. Pour into their lives the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for everyone. Cause your face now to shine into their lives, allowing them to be the witnesses of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.